This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is sponsored by Grand Heron International. Through a growing network of credentialed and vetted coaches, Grand Heron International brings you on-demand coaching with Coaching On-Site and the Coaching Assistance Program for Corporations. Whether you are a company committed to investing in your leaders, an individual navigating a complex situation, or a coach searching for a superb network of coaches, visit us at GrandHeronInternational.com. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. We live in a world full of uncertainty. Uncertainty often grips many and paralyzes them. Rather than be paralyzed or live in fear, what can we do to not only survive, but actually thrive in uncertainty? My guest today will answer that question I'm talking to Meredith Elliott Powell. Meredith is voted one of the top 15 business growth experts to watch. She's one of the top sales experts to follow and one of the top 40 motivational speakers in the world. Meredith is also an award-winning author, keynote speaker, and business strategist who is passionate about helping her clients learn the strategies they need to thrive in uncertainty. So for that reason, I am absolutely excited to welcome Meredith Elliott Powell to the Keep Leading Podcast. Meredith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eddie. I am excited to be here. Well, I am excited to have you. Please tell us a little bit more about your background. You know, I think you you certainly hit the highlights, the things that um, that are worth bragging about in my background. But, you know, so much that as I was listening to the intro and the things that you were talking about, I think the only other thing that I want to share with the listeners is that truly my passion is uncertainty. You know, really helping people see uncertainty as an opportunity rather than an obstacle. That's what I study. That's what I speak about. That's what I write about. And that is what I am on a never-ending quest to really get the answer to, to really help you grow a business in an uncertain marketplace. Seeing opportunity rather than an obstacle mm-hmm. when it comes to uncertainty. I like how you said that. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's funny. I mean, Eddie, where I came up with the idea was I kept going into companies that I work with, you know, both you and I work with a lot of organizations and I would walk in and I'd say, how are things going? And people would say, we're really having a great year, but oh, this uncertainty. And 
as if uncertainty was always a negative. And I just started to think, what if we flipped the script on that? What if we started to think about uncertainty as rather than something that prevented us from growing, but it was actually something that propelled us to grow? And so I started looking for organizations and companies, and believe me, there aren't many, but those that have really made that shift in their mindset. And what did you find? What I found was the ones that had made the shift in their mindset were companies that had really figured out a new formula for growth that did position them for rather than fearing what's coming or fearing the unknown, actually using it as an opportunity to grow their company, but more importantly, as a way to gain competitive advantage, whether that literally be with their competitors, whether it be customer experience, or whether it meant um, attracting top talent. Nice. So they had to basically do a full mind shift to not only seeing it differently, but seizing the opportunity that comes out of seeing it differently. Yeah, you know, like I understand why there's so much fear around uncertainty. I mean, I like to describe uncertainty as change on steroids, right? Like, you know that change is coming. You just don't know what that change is going to be. You just don't know what it's going to happen or what impact it could have on your business. How are you supposed to grow in a, in a marketplace like that? So no wonder we think of it as a negative. We think of it as an obstacle. We think of it as something that's going to hurt our business rather than move it forward. But what I found with these leaders, whether they be in a large company or smaller organizations, they did that just that. They really shifted their mindset to begin to think, okay, this isn't something that's going to stop my company. How can I begin to use this as an opportunity to move the company forward. So rather than fearing um, change or uncertainty, you started to actually integrate it into the business strategy and into the business plan. Hmm. That sounds intriguing. (laughs) Actually integrating it into the business plan. I like that. So you are working with these organizations as a consultant, but You also speak on thriving in uncertainty. So do you have an an official definition that you use around that? Or is it basically what you just said to me? You know, basically it is that, um, you know, it's, it is this idea of, you know, what basically the way I described it. But if I had, if I had to say to people, you know, when I get up on the platform or whether I'm consulting with, um, with a company, I'm trying to get people to embrace the reality that we are living in a marketplace for the very first time where more that can impact your business is outside of your control. I mean, think about this. Eddie, I'm working with a healthcare company right now. And literally, this healthcare company is sitting on the fence. If in this next election, the Republicans win, then his business strategy is one direction. If the Democrats win, his business plan has got to be in a whole nother direction. Those are things that he has absolutely no control of the outcome of the election at the local, state, or federal level. But all of those greatly impact his ability to grow his business. Add to that the technology advancements that will probably happen in the next two years could greatly impact how he grows his business, none of which he has control over, some of which he doesn't even know what those will be yet. So what I do is go into companies and get them first comfortable with that type of 
atmosphere. The second is how do you plan for, strategize, and actually anticipate the changes that are coming? That's a good example. Thank you for sharing that. And so if someone is listening and they see themselves in that scenario, well, they may be thinking, well, there's always uncertainty in life, be it from the political dynamics that may unfold or just the vicissitudes of the economy that uh, we are all impacted by. How is this any different what we're talking about? Yeah, it's, you know, it's the first time that it's been um, moving at the pace that it's been moving. Um, the second is that um, you're absolutely right. There's always been uncertainty, but it was it was to some degree controlled uncertainty. I mean, Eddie, I'm 56 years old. So when I was growing up, competition meant the guy down the street. And my biggest threat was the fact that some other competitor might move into the marketplace. Fast forward that to today's marketplace. I'm sitting here running my business, worrying about competitors like you that are like me. But you know, for both you and I, our Uber could be around the corner. The chances that AI will replace some of the very products that we offer right now is definitely a reality. So it is the fact that it is truly change on steroids. And most of it is we struggle to even, if you don't plan it into your business plan, you're not even going to see it coming. I mean, look what happened to the taxi cab industry with Uber. Look at what happened to the hotel industry with Airbnb. This is disruption coming at a fast pace and disruption that in a normal business model, you're not getting your head out of the sand and seeing the changes that are coming. Indeed, those are two great examples of uh, disruptors that no one saw coming. And uh, certainly they've altered the landscape for uh, not just their industries, but in fact, especially in the case of an Uber, created an entirely new industry. <laughs> yes, exactly. And with it took workforce, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so, you know, out of out of traditional businesses now, even if you're not somebody who competes with a quote unquote Uber, you know, you're not in the transportation industry or whatever, you're still, that disruption has impacted you because it takes up. I mean, now anybody can, you know, start a business by basically getting a URL. So it's just, we are moving in a marketplace. We're living in a marketplace that is moving so fast with disruption coming from so many different directions. Indeed. And because of Uber, we have officially a gig economy yes. and it's become something that's cool in some corners and uh, something that uh, good, bad or otherwise, some employers are now leveraging uh, where they would have used a temp service or temporary employer placement firm before. They are now just turning to these independent contractors and utilizing them in the workforce. So truly a disruptor, a new model established. And as you said, forcing businesses to compete in ways they would not have anticipated otherwise, even though it is not directly related to what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, a, it's, it's really, um, it's everything about today's marketplace is different. So what I like to always say, if, if we live in a marketplace where everything is different, wouldn't it make sense that we would need a different set of strategies, that we need a different approach? And, and that's truly the message I try to get across to people is, is, is honestly take a hard look at the, at the world that you're competing in. And if it isn't the same world as it was five years ago, then look at your business strategy and let's update it. And 
when you're helping them to make these updates to deal with uncertainty, is there a piece of advice you find yourself giving more than another? Yeah, you know, it's it's my favorite. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite piece of advice. And that is that it's the biggest thing that I want companies to make a shift with. And I, re- I really want to emphasize, Eddie, for your listeners and everything that, you know, we, we could be talking with a Fortune 500. We could be talking with a mom and pop. It's the same advice. So this is applicable to anybody listening. But one of the biggest things, um, and I think one of the foundational pieces, if you want to thrive in today's marketplace, is that typically as business owners, what we've been used to doing is running our own businesses. And we haven't worried too much about anything else. And in today's marketplace, if you own a business, if you run a business, if you lead a team, you need to be spending I think at least 40% of your time with your head out of your business, looking and focusing on the changes coming in the marketplace. I give my clients, and I'm, I'm happy to give you a copy of it and put it in the show notes, but I give my clients a, a document called a future external environmental scan. And I just list on there things like society, customers, competition, technology, industry, politics, and just spend time every couple of months getting a couple of people on your team together, or if you run a small business, maybe you get a couple of your peers and just sit down Take 30 minutes outside of your business and ask yourself, what is happening in those areas? What is changing in those areas? And when you finish the brainstorming session, ask yourself, is there anything we need to be worried about, focused on, or taking advantage of? If the answer is yes, go back and change your strategy. If the answer is no, then good. Just wait till the next brainstorming session. Excellent. I thank you for sharing that advice. And certainly we would be interested in posting that as a guide for our listeners to be able to refer to uh, later on. I often along those lines as an executive coach use the illustration and I know that you are a tremendous golfer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but I like the game. (laughs) I use the illustration of Tiger Woods at times because as a golfer, uh, especially in his heyday, he was known for out of nowhere, just retweaking his swing. Mm-hmm. Go through these periods where when he was doing that, he would lose matches and people would say, why are you retweaking your swing? You're winning. You're already at the top of the game. But he would go through that because to your point, the competition's getting better. And he would always try to look at how could he make these adjustments to keep that competitive advantage. Yeah, what a, I mean, what a great analogy, because imagine if if Tiger had been competing, you know, and he just won the Masters last year, if he'd been competing with the same game or the same equipment he had been playing with when he first started, when he was a younger man, a healthier man. And you said, the, you know, the competitive field, you know, wasn't at the level it is. I just find that, and I'm sure you find this too, and I get it. You know, we go into companies and I understand I, I do it too. It's worked. I had a, you know, you had a good year. Things were good. Why do I have to change what's working? And the answer to that is because the marketplace is changing around you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't change with it, what was good enough in 2019 is not going to be good enough in 2020. Absolutely. Our friend Jeffrey Hazlett says, adapt, change, or die. And that is absolutely (laughs) what we must do. Right. Right. Well, what are some of the biggest challenges facing business leaders and owners today that they should be using to insert their business under the microscope 
for uncertainty on the horizon? You know, I think the biggest is um, is number one. Somehow we have we have turned back around, and finding um, talent has become such a huge issue. And I I know you work in this um, in this area too, but really, what does it take to attract talent today? What does it take to engage talent? What does it take to get them to stay with you long term, if if that's even an option? I think that business leaders and business owners today are struggling to really figure out what what the priorities are and what to focus on. And speaking of focus, how do you stay radically focused in them being able to, you know, to really um, change on a dime? You know, the other thing, the last thing I'm going to add with that too is um, just because I I was writing an article about this um, earlier today is, you know, the customer voice has become so powerful in today's marketplace. I mean, Mm -hmm. you slip up once and customers can just kill you mm-hmm. or you do something amazing and it can you know be viral and you know in in nothing flat and so this whole idea that you really are out of control of a lot of what's going on i think is just a really big shift for today's business owners and leaders thank you i appreciate you sharing that so mm-hmm. Fantastic. And so what I'd like to do now is we're having this wonderful conversation with Meredith Elliott Powell about thriving in uncertainty is to pause for a moment to have a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the leadership accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Phil M. Jones, author of Exactly What to Say, Exactly How to Sell, and Exactly Where to Start. And you're listening to the Keep Leading podcast with Eddie Turner. Okay, we're back and we're talking to Meredith Elliott Powell. And Meredith is helping us to understand how we can not only survive, but thrive in uncertainty. And we're excited to have Meredith because she's one of the top 15 business growth experts to watch, one of the top sales experts to follow, and one of the top 40 motivational speakers in the world. And so really excited to have her. And Meredith, we were talking about thriving, how we can thrive in uncertainty before the break. But I now want to shift gears and talk about your books. I have uh, one of your books on my shelf, and you sent me the latest book. So now I have two of your books (laughs) and love them both. But this one is kind of interesting because you partnered with the amazing Connie Podesta. Both of you are amazing. And so to put you two together, oh, my goodness, how did that come about? Yeah, so I got to, you're absolutely right. I got to partner with the legendary um, Connie Podesta. Well, I was lucky enough that um, Connie called me and said, I'm thinking about writing a sales book. And all the years I've been speaking, I've never produced a book on sales. And she, I think Connie has seven or eight books, something like that. And she said, I'd, I'd really like to partner with you on that. And I was kind of wondered why, because I thought, why would Connie want or need to partner with anybody? But, um, oh, she's such an interesting idea. She said, you know, Meredith, really, I'm the psychology of sales, which she really understands the mindset and what motivates both the buyer and, um, and the sales professional. 
And she said, you really have the technical piece of it, really the process, what people need to do, the coaching elements, how to build a strategy, those types of things. So we really brought the best of those together to write the best sales book ever, cut through the excuses and send sales through the roof. Thank you for saying the title because I didn't want to say it. I wanted to hear it come from you. But when I read that, I'm like, wow, what a bodacious title. (laughs) It is. But if you know Connie, and I know that you do, that is a very Connie Podesta title. So when she said it, I thought I can't think of a better, um, both pieces of it. I mean, not only the best sales book ever, but, you know, just really cut through the excuses. And that's what the book is about. I mean, Eddie, it's an interesting twist on a sales book. I mean, everybody has sales advice, things that you should do. And so we wrote this book as actually things you should quit doing because every sales professional we know has enough things on their to-do list. So our idea was to write a book that was about what you could take off. Yes. Yes. And as you, I liked what you said that it is a very Connie title and that is yes. true. And uh, for those of you listening to this, if you have not heard about Connie Podesta, you would definitely want to look her up. Uh, you'll be able to look her up because I'm going to put a copy of this book on the website. And her and Meredith, I can see why this is indeed called the best <laughs> book ever. And that is so true because there's a ton of sales books out there, but you all come at it with a very unique perspective. And from from what I can tell, from what I've read and what I've seen, you all have both literally worked with tens of thousands of sales leaders and sales professionals. And uh, I like how you divided up how you approached it in terms of your sales expertise. And so that part uh, becomes very, very clear. And you all wrote this not just as a regular book. Tell us a little bit about the, the format of the book and why that matters. Yeah, you know, the, well, there's a lot to the format of the book. The first thing that you're going to notice is that it's two books in one. I mean, the first part of the book was written for the sales professional, what the sales professional needs to quit doing. But as we got into writing of it, we would talk about it and we'd say, oh, we need a chapter on this. We need a chapter on that. And it became apparent that we had a book for sales leaders too, because how could you how could you really write a book for the sales professional and not have something for the sales leader? So if you flip the book over, um, it's really two books in one, and that is the um, best sales leadership book uh, uh, ever. And it's the things that sales leaders need to quit doing. So I mentioned the fact that it is really a book that's actually going to take things off your to-do list. But Eddie, I think the other thing that we did that I think was really quite smart and really kept the sales professional and sales leader in mind is that the chapters are short. And they, every piece, you leave a chapter with exactly the action items you should do. Mm-hmm. Salespeople are busy mm-hmm. and they're about getting results. And the book speaks to both of those things. I think they'll also like the dialogue format you use in <laughs> writing. Yeah, you will definitely, we are straight shooters in it. Maybe even a little, uh, you've got to have a sense of humor because we can get a little sarcastic now and then, but it is written very much as if you are engaging or talking to either one of us. Yes, yes. And that's what I found fascinating in knowing you both. I hear your voices as I'm reading it. And so it's as if I am inserting myself in the conversation that the two of you are having, I'm just sitting at the table with you all enjoying it. And so I think that also made it a fascinating book to read. So very well done. And I think folks are going to enjoy picking up a copy and reading it for themselves. Well, thank you. Uh, we are we are really excited about it. You talked about how the first part was written for the sales professional. And one of the things that jumped out at me, again, looking at things through the eyes of a coach, uh, and I work with clients a lot on their beliefs. 
And I find that oftentimes something that's either keeping them from getting what they want or something that is a reason for what they want in, in terms of their pursuit, it all centers around the beliefs. And you two address that right away in chapter one or section one of the book. Yeah. Yeah, we hit it dead on because it is, honestly, you can't do anything else in the book if you don't have the mindset and belief that you're good at sales, that you like sales and that that sales is a good thing to do. So, I mean, so you've got to capture that mindset piece uh, immediately. And, you know, Eddie, I always believed that. And just like you, I work with my clients on it, but I didn't know if you happened to be in the session at um, National Speakers Association, our influence, our, our annual conference. Did you see the gentleman that went out and got a thousand rejections? No, that must have been the year I got married because that's the only one I've <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, he basically wrote a book and I forget what the book was called, but it's something like A Thousand Rejections. But he didn't want to do sales because he was terrified of being rejected and so much so that it paralyzed him. So he just basically decided to sign up for some kind of online course that said 30 days of rejection. And he decided to do it, you know, at a go overboard with it and did a thousand days of rejection. And it's really entertaining. But the thing that the thing that became really powerful about it that really speaks to mindset and why that first section of this book is so important is you can see in the sense that at first when he started to go out to get rejections, he was steer still fearful of rejections. But then as the goal became to get rejected and he got excited about it, the irony of life is everybody, people stopped rejecting him, right? They started doing whatever he asked them to do. And he asked them to do crazy things like get in a plane and, you know, fly a plane. And he asked a policeman if he could drive his car. I mean, all types of things. But it is about the energy coming off of us. If we believe in ourselves first, then we can do and or ask and support and help anybody. But the work that you have got to do is with you and your mindset. So we put that up front because once you nail that chapter, the rest is just going to take you over the edge. But Meredith, I'd love to be better at sales. I just don't have what it takes to succeed as a salesperson. In fact, I'm a leader. Why should I even be worried about sales anyway? Because everybody is in sales. You know, every time somebody tells me that they're not good in sales or they have a position that, um, that you know, they don't need to sell, it always makes me laugh because the truth is, Eddie, we all sell every day. Every single one of us has a spouse that we have tried to convince to do something. We've had a child. We've tried to get to eat a vegetable. We tried to convince friends to do a sporting event or go to a restaurant with us. We, try, we all tried to convince our parents to let us have the car when we were 16. We are masterful sellers. The problem is we think of sales in the wrong way. Sales got a bad rap in the 80s and the 90s when things like upselling, you know, and cross-selling and all those, the art of the clothes, all those things came out and they were very me-focused. And I'm going to agree, if you're very me-focused and all you're trying to do is achieve your goals then you may struggle with sales. Good chance you're going to struggle with it. But if you really believe your product or service is amazing and you can really help somebody, then you're just, all you're doing is informing people of what you could do that could help them. See, I think we get messed up with sales because we're trying to close a deal. I always tell people, forget about closing. Just go out there and inform, educate, listen, and connect. The rest is easy. Inform, educate, 
listen and connect. Very nice way of looking at sales. And yes, I threw that curveball at you and you hit it out of the park. Yes, we are always selling and we are all salespersons. Whether we think of it like that or not, whether we like it or not. And that message comes through very clear in your book. And that's one of the reasons why I'm including that in this conversation about leadership. We want every leader to understand that they are a salesperson and should be selling, as you so eloquently brought out. And you have a no excuses policy because you all tackle excuses. And that's the other reason why I kind of threw that in there. Um, And so you all help people to understand uh, that they need to rid themselves of that. Talk about that a little bit, if you will. Yeah, this whole idea is that um, is that you know people need to rid themselves of um, excuses. Excuses are just something that are holding your back, that are putting up obstacles, that are preventing you from getting you know where you need to get to. So, what we wanted to do with this book was really help you get through this book and really be able to master the things, put these excuses aside, and put yourself in a position to really stop doing the things that are wasting your time focus your energies on the things that are really going to help you sell and then move everything forward. And putting this all together, I suspect that this comes back to being another strategy to helping us thrive in times of uncertainty. Is that the case? That is exactly the case. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) So Meredith, what is the overarching message that you would say you want our listeners to take away from our conversation? I want them to take away from the conversation to really start to see uncertainty as opportunity, to stop letting it be something that they're worried about and stop waiting for change to happen to them and start anticipating the marketplace and really turn that uncertainty to competitive advantage. Fantastic. And this is the Keep Leading Podcast. And as such, we like to give leaders something to think about so that they can keep leading. Uh, What advice would you share with our leaders? The biggest piece of advice is that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I just really, really believe in that quote. And I really believe that if you want to be better at sales, if you want to be better at leadership, then surround yourself with people who are exceptional at those things. Wonderful. So we have to uh, watch our association because we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I mean, I do think our mothers told us that when we were little, but you grow up and realize your mother is right. Mom knows best. No question about it. (laughs) Meredith, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. Where can my listeners learn more about you? The easiest way to find me is at my website, which is valuespeaker.com, the word value and speaker.com. And you can find me on all the social networking sites, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I tend to live more on LinkedIn than anywhere else, but I really encourage people to reach out and connect because I'd really like to hear from them and stay in touch. Speaking of LinkedIn, you've done something pretty special with them. Please tell my listeners about that. Yeah. So I am um, an invitation only author with LinkedIn. I've done about seven of their online courses right now. And I just found out today, so I'm glad you asked. I just found out today that they're going to start translating my courses into into other languages. Oh, wonderful, Meredith. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for letting everyone who listens to the Keep Leading podcast be the first to know. (laughs) <laughs> Great. Yes, they are the first to know. I haven't even I haven't shot a video on it or done anything yet. 
<laughs> well, I love it. That is simply fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing, Meredith. And for those who are interested, I highly encourage you to connect with Meredith. Take her up on her offer to connect with her. I will be putting all of this information in the show notes to make it easy for you. Great. Meredith, thank you again for being a guest of the Keep Leading Podcast. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.